You. Oh, no. <laughs> About to witness. The awesome. Crushing a mic. Oh, uh. Yes, I'm gonna work with my head, y'all. I spray it above it. Mega! Oh! Oh, stop! Oh, it's one of those days. U.G.S. Robinson. Try to hold us down. This is D. Seven. Zero. V. Seventy. And I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. I can't keep it out. Oh my God. I'm supposed to sleep all night with this uh, Your host, Eugene S. Robinson. It's been a hell of a day. Hell of a day. But first, Bob Riley, some stigmata, calling of the just record. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. It's still sold the entire CD by Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Bob Riley will kick us off this V70. As he always does. I'm on my way back to nowhere. I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look at your face. Of being paid back and for always nothing. All right. All right, my friends. Mine friend, uh, mi amigos. All right, let's do this. Let me get my shit straight. Get it all straight. And uh, let's plug in. The, hey, hey, you know that uh, the viewer donated stuff. The light stands that have lit, lit this place up like a fucking flaming Roman candle. As well as, hey, I got one of the blue balls. Hey, what was that little dog we used to have? The one that used to dye pink? Hey, you remember that one? The little snowballs. The one, you know, the one that died. I'm sorry, I'm stealing that from Eric Bogosian. That's where it comes from. Great Eric Bogosian. I don't know if he's still alive. I'm guessing he is. Maybe I'll have him on the show. <laughs> Nobody wants to be on Ozzy Confidential. Well, actually, I got lots of people on Ozzy Confidential, but I'm not getting the people that I'm that well, that my bosses have told me that I get people on it that will actually attract more than just the just the usual suspects. And I was like, I'm perfectly okay with just the usual suspects, you know, but whatever. Whatever. They want mass market. You know what's in the mass market? Shisa. That's what's in the mass market. But whatever. There's Shisa in cash and they're all in the uh, mass uh, um, mass market. Shisa is German. 
for med, which is French for caca. Anyway, this is V70, V70 of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. Uh, sorry about all the shit that came up. Apparently, YouTube is wants to get everybody on webcam instead of what we do now, which is uh, uh, events, live events. I don't. It's some ding dongle on their side, but like any major corporation, when they want to get your attention, they fuck with you. So I try. I was ready to do the show right after the Care Don't Care preview. Trained, went running. Did the care, don't care, try to do it, and I'm getting all these messages about shit I gotta do, and then we gotta verify you. And it's like, man, nothing ever fast. You know, any of those movies that you see where the guy is like, oh, just let me let me get online quickly. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm falling off a building. Jack me in Matrix style. Oh yeah? No, everybody knows that's not the way these computers work in real life. Somebody tried to get me the other day, they're like, oh you, would you, you a systems guy, would you really need this? This is your MacBook Pro is about 10 years old. Are you 12 years old? Are you? I was like, you know, computer companies exist for pretty much one reason, one reason only. He goes, what's that? I go to sell computers. You take that out of the business model, you got nothing. Just a bunch of losers hanging around. Sell computers. The glass computer I have, the MacBook Pro, is with the, with the disk drive, right? So I could play movies on it. And they decided, oh, Steve did such a good job of getting rid of this and getting rid of that. You don't need this. You don't need that. You don't really need that. You sacrifice. You got some weight and the thinness. This obsession with thinness. I don't give a shit. I never have ever sat around and said, my computer is too thick. Have you? Do you know anybody who's ever said that? Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of ranting. Listen, um, we are at June 23rd. And we got another week, and I'm going to be very brief about this. We got another week uh, for to tally up uh, donations for this show via Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash the stomper, t h e s t o m p e r. If you don't want to fuck with them, and some of you have been doing this, and I appreciate that, you can go straight to uh, uh, PayPal. For me, it's Pinko. P-I-N-K-O-9-5-0-1-4 at uh, yahoo.com if you want to donate to keep the show. That's it. I'm not going to harass, mostly because I'm interested in, this is what I call moderate level harassment. What happens at the end of the month with moderate level harassment? Or do I have to do like Dr. Gene Scott and stare at the camera silently for 15 minutes until you give? You, and then he would tear up the donations. And throw them at the camera and go, yeah, but you should have given because you love God. I was like, is he really throwing that money away? I hope not. It's interesting. I, I had some pretty major, not not major, interesting thoughts the other day about religion. And uh, I, I, I got slightly confused. And you don't often hear me talk about race. But uh, um, I started to think about black folks, and uh, of which I'm one. Um, and their attraction to Christian religions, you know, of which we have major Abrahamic religions like uh, Rastafarianism is an offshoot, of course, and it's connected to Judaism, which is the number one adherence for Judeo-Christian religious thought, whether they're Jews or Christians, and a goodly portion of the Christians have been sorely treated 
by other humans at the behest of their guiding theoretical principled book. Now you could point to the book of Job and go, well, look, Job had suffered and his faith didn't waver. You know, you, you tell me that the people who enslaved us, raped us, destroyed our families, and I'm not talking about now, though I could be, but I'm talking about back then, have now tried to sell us. It's like somebody trying to break into your house, you know, and, and then trying to, well, I'm, I'm not going to even mangle the, the analogy. I don't even have to. We get this straight. I'm, I guess I'm just doing a derivation of Mike Muir from suicidal tendencies. When I went to your schools, I went to your churches. <laughs> you fucked me over. Oh, no, your faith is insufficient. You got to pray. Pray. You just fucked me over. That's why anybody who announces, pre-announces to me, I'm, I'm a religious guy. I don't even say spiritual. I'm, uh, but... But I'm healthily agnostic because I don't know it. I don't know. I have senses. I have urges. Urges and senses are not enough to build a religion on. And the books, well, the books are held by people who, you know, look at what the uh, uh, Catholic Church did in Nazi Germany. You got people who are anti-Semites in places where Jews don't exist. How'd that get there? Maybe a book. Maybe a book, the game set that we were talking about when we were talking before about, about uh, these, these sacks of skin that, that our spirits inhabit. Gaming, the game set. Now, there are ways that you can play chess, say, that are probably technically officially correct but that the real masters some kind of break these rules and go on and innovate and do stuff that's really sort of compelling. Kasparov, Spassky. Who's that guy? There's a new guy, the Norwegian cat. The little black girl, whose name I forget as well. Grandmaster champions. Some woman too, some Russian woman I was going to interview at one point. Be that. But the people that are lining up every Sunday that were clogging up the road on my way to train this morning so they could sing books like, sing songs like, they will know we are Christians by a love, by a love. Stop that shit. At what point? At what point will we get to know you by our love? When? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow a phrase. People start talking to me about God. I want to reach for my gun. Because I know somebody's about to get robbed, and I suspect that somebody is me, or fucked over. And then they're going to run back to the confessional and go, ah, I fucked Eugene over. I say two Hail Marys and probably do it again. That guy deserves it. Anyway, these were just idle driving thoughts connected to the, the nature of religion. I understand that in, in times of great stress, in times of great stress, it, it's, it's a comfort to people. I also understand in times of great stress, meditation is a comfort to people. I understand in times of great stress, Fruit Loops uh, are a uh, comfort to people. That's right. I said Fruit Loops. Where you think comfort food comes from? And under normal circumstances, if this were a normal show, I would say something along the lines of, I don't really want to crap on anybody's belief system. In actual fact, I don't give a fuck about your belief system. I, I, 
feel very much ill at home with this whole idea that I've got to respect your belief system. Just like I don't really expect you to respect my belief system. It seems rare when it happens. I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised when it does happen. Respecting my belief system or respecting it. Uh, respecting is different from acknowledging it or agreeing with it. Respecting it, respect and honor, these are strange words. Somebody described me in an interview, they said they did this big piece, this woman, Mary Spacuza, did this big piece for the SF Bay Guardian on me. And what, somebody surprised me. She asked somebody, if you had one word to describe Eugene, what word would it be? And the guy said, loyal. That's kind of, I, I don't think of myself in those, in those fuzzy terms. But another friend of mine who was George W. Bush's Undersecretary of Defense, a friend of mine from college, he goes, at one point, I'm sure he meant it as an insult. Eugene, you're like a dog. Somebody's nice to you. You know, you're good to that. If somebody's good to you. You're theirs forever. And I go, and what's a corollary? <laughs> you know, one of the frequent occasions when he realized that I wasn't as stupid as he thought. So I'm kind of rambling, but as you know, with this show, it's not a ramble. It's a rumble. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got these people who like to talk. Uh, and, I, and I'm one of them. But I'm not trying to sell you anything. I get it out, out of the way right up front in order to do this, justify it, to make sure that this, that, you know, help if you pay. If you don't want to, that's cool. But I don't expect you to to buy in in the sense that I need you to 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 codify, verify, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of it right now. But uh, um, you know, I, I need to turn this on. So if you guys want to tweet me something during the show, you can like something that you can't hear or something. But it seems like I'm registering and YouTube is not fucking me now like they did earlier. But it seems colossally obscene to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that after six million of your people get killed, that you would expect it to deal with the idea of a divinity with some sort of equanimity. That you wouldn't be openly hostile to religion. I became openly hostile to religion on 9-11. That was it. I had it. I've been making excuses. I got into a discussion with Henry Rollins at one point, and Rollins was telling me, hey, man. I, you know, the language, religious language is always very violent. And I go, well, that's for a very simple reason. Most people don't understand the early books of the Bible are fundamentally war stories. These are people, aggrieved people who were under, under a great amount. Because every single road that comes out of that book ends up, into a, ends up in a bloody place. And I started thinking about Tom Araya and Slayer. It was that great line he's got from that song. I keep my Bible in a pool of blood so that none of its lies will affect me. Loving each other, great. Don't steal my shit, great. Don't murder me, great. Everything else, I'd like to kill the messenger. After 9-11, stop making excuses. Well, it's been misused. Hammers have been misused, but they, you know, they still have great utility. I got, maybe. What if you used a hammer and every time you used it, it broke? Shards hit you in the eye. You start using different tools after a certain period of time, right? 
So ideally, in my mind, your religiosity, if you have it, if you feel it, if it moves within you in any variety at all, shouldn't be based on something somebody else told you. You know what somebody else told me? Somebody else told me that bare knuckle boxing was pretty cool to watch. They build a religion on it. Just watched it. Was it cool? It was not. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't cool. There are lots of words I can think to describe bare knuckle boxing, and bloody elbow itself is pushing some article where they're like, "Oh, it's violent, it's 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 edgy, it's gross," but you know you love it. Oh, really? You know what I don't watch in my spare time? I don't watch world star hip hop. I don't like to see untrained people fight for scant reward. Something that could have been reason reasoned out of. I, I don't. Fundamentally, I just see stupid people doing too much of anything. I don't expect the people who I like to watch to be geniuses, but I need them to do something geniusly. The genius is not the right word. It's not how I want to use it. I, I need them to per perform something gracefully with a certain amount of palm and genius. Bare knuckle bo boxing, as Paulie Malinaga got discovered, uh -huh. boxing is a sweet science. Getting your ass kicked doesn't have to be a product of boxing. Yeah, there's a guy I knew named Todd, and Todd was in and out of San Quentin. Had problems with heroin. But Todd was a big old boy, about like a Johnny Boney Joni, about six foot four, muscle as fuck, no legs really, fast as fuck. And there's another guy who was uh, uh, Kevin, who was about six, six feet tall, Used to beat his girlfriend up in the, in the gym. Now, for your edification, because I know you might be interested in this for reasons that elude me, Kevin was a, uh, a uh, an Irish guy from back east, and Todd was an African American guy from East Palo Alto, and Kevin. The Irish guy from back east is the one who was slapping his girlfriend and knocking her over the bench in the gym. I wasn't there when it happened. I heard about it happening. You've heard me talk about this story before. Kevin was also a black belt in karate, roided out of his mind, and prone to, to roid rages. People were, in general, afraid of him. I was not. In true Eugene S. Robinson fashion, I invested my time trying to have sex with his girlfriend. I figured any man that would be slapping his girlfriend in public, knocking her over a bench, doesn't really care if she had sex with me. I wouldn't have been thinking about this very seriously, but she came up to me one day in the gym and said, say, uh, you in a gang? Yes, I'm in a gang. She goes, oh, oh what, what gang? Our gang. She goes, our gang? Yeah, you and me are in the same gang. <laughs> And she and I became friends. So at one point, they bumped into each other, Todd and Kevin. And Kevin was like, oh, what, what, watch where you're fucking going, man. <laughs> you know, prison is a very different fucking place. Like, if you've ever lived in a bad neighborhood, when you see them do shit in bad neighborhoods, they don't do in other neighborhoods. Like, for example, stopping your car in the middle of the street because you desire to have a conversation with somebody. And you understand what the rule is? 
The rule is if you can get around, you go around, right? If you can't get around, if it's two cars talking to each other and they're blocking the street, you give a nice, respectful, yo, I'm here, beep, tap, right? Now, as a kid I knew, he's a classmate of my daughter's. He, uh, he, he was driving by some cats who came from a bad neighborhood. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the guys gets out of the car. This guy was, because I know you want to know. The kid who did the beeping, one of my kid's classmates was white. He's bipolar. I don't know if it makes a difference. I'm just giving you plot points. The guys they were behind were, were Mexican. The Mexican guys just kind of continue their conversation, get out of their car, and they walk back to his car, and they're kind of talking to each other. And they get to either side, the passenger and driver's side of his car, and they yank his mirrors off, throw them on the ground, and they go back to they were talking to some guy on the sidewalk, so he could have get, gotten by. If you can get by, you go by. So unforced error, Kevin says, Todd, why don't you watch where you're going? And Todd just goes, goes straight to prison, straight to prison. He's like, um, can I talk to you outside for a minute? So we were, were, and all of a sudden, Kevin realizes that I had just made a 100-foot cliff dive into total fucking stupidity. He would have to work himself up to a place where Todd already was. Why? Because violence is sudden, quick, fucking clumsy, sloppy, and most of all, um, what is the concluding word I'm looking for here? Most of all, um, finite. And I mean that in the widest possible sense. So he begs off, and Todd just looks at him and goes, don't ever speak to me again. That, and to my understanding, he never did. And I said, hey, man, he to he and he told me the story. He goes, you know that guy with that Irish guy? So you talking to him sometimes. I'm not talking to that guy. I'm talking to his girlfriend. He goes, well, you know what I'm talking about, Kevin. Yeah, and he tells me the story. He says, I go, well, gonna, I was going to beat the fucking teeth out of his mouth. There are certain sentence structures that you got to listen to. You know, I would have said, I'll punch that fucker in the mouth. He said, I'm going to punch his teeth out of it. I'm going to knock all of his teeth out of his fucking mouth. So there was something eerily specific about it. But in any case, you know, again, let, let, let's tie off the religion thing because I don't want to leave you hanging and think this was just an uh, uh, entry thought. And the thought was just that, I, I don't understand. I don't. People always talk about Trump voters. How do you, how do you square yourself with voting for something that's so clearly counter your interest? And I go, we built nations on that shit that was counter to your interest. Yeah, Negroes going to church, breaking their necks to get to church on Sunday. Yes, the gift of fellowship is worthy, but this book that your Sunday is based on doesn't serve you well. Doesn't serve you at all very different from religion or spirituality. I'm not talking about crystals. I'm talking about a sense of the mystery of the divine and life beyond life. I'm not talking about the book of Leviticus. 
I'm not talking about the priesthood and all the creepy substructures that humans have created, but I've, I've gone far afield. I guess I was thinking about last night, went to dinner with sports agent extraordinaire, friend of mine, his girlfriend and, and my wife, and he was like, we're gonna go, we're gonna go have that, we're gonna have that a seance. I don't know when I got seance. He goes, I wanna invoke a demon. I wanna call the demon. I go, to what end? He goes, I wanna find that castle where uh, where Himmler, uh, Heinrich Himmler used to take the, the Nazi, where uh, the SS people would have their, fundamentally their, their fraternity rush parties where they were trying to invoke demons. I go, I ain't just trained. <laughs> There's hunger for weirdness. I don't understand where this is coming from. But I mean, this sits outside of our ability to be able to, it sits outside of our game set, but we do know there is a game set. And therefore we do know there has to be a game. They're, like Kafka said, the children were given the choice as to whether they would be kings or couriers of kings. As children would, they all chose to be couriers of kings, which since there were no kings was essentially meaningless. They would have liked to have given up their miserable game, but for their original oath of service, period, close quote, Joseph Kafka. We don't know what the game set is, but we do know it's a game because you don't have a game set if there is no game. Speaking of which, this entire weekend, this entire weekend was, we talked about it for a little bit on on um, on uh, uh, Care Don't Care, which I record before I do this show. First of all, somebody tweeted me, said, Eugene, since we're doing, dealing with esoterica right now, could you talk about the Luke Thomas, Chael Sonnen thing? And then Luke Thomas came out with the news. And, then, and, I, and I just want to say, I just want to say right now, I have a standing lifelong policy of not shaking anybody's hustle. You know, like uh, Dr. Dre said, uh, your city is a bomb if your city can make it pay. Whatever you could, whatever, whatever you got going, it may not be my cup of tea. It may not be something I'm interested in. But uh, Luke has always been nice to me. The one or two times I've had some kind of interactions with him. Um... Not even like Tal. I mean, he did scoff at me when I asked to be on his show, which I thought was strange. Um, but you know, there's not a club of MMA journalists. You know, the only guy, the only MMA journalist that ever reached out to me in any significant way was Kid Nate. After the Scott Kelly from the band Neurosis, the show that he got me started on, which was called Knuckle Up on CombatMusicRadio.com, when that went belly up. Not my show, but the whole label, the whole, uh, 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 what do you call it, radio station, KMBT. Nate is the only one who reached out to me. I've used to sit cage side in Media Row. None of those cats. It's all those guys. Kevin Ioli, Brent Akimoto, all those cats. They didn't know who the fuck I was. They didn't really care. I was the guy who was writing about MMA in GQ back, like, UFC 8. Did a long time column for Grappling Magazine where I fought pros called Damage Inc. Back in the 90s. Yeah. Moreover, I won six, the magazines I've helmed 
have won six Maggie Awards, one Ozzy Award, which is Folio Magazine's National Magazine Award. My most recent award was uh, SPD Award, was uh, Society of Professional Designers, a magazine. My most recent was a 2014 Online Journalism Award. And yet these guys call themselves journalists, MMA journalists. I've written over a thousand articles, videos, podcasts. I know I'm not rolling out my bona fides, but like Biz Marquis said, these guys routinely treat me like a wet food stamp. Why? Because I say fuck and I talk about esoterica. All right. So to ask me to comment on 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 Chael and Luke and Luke's secret announcement and what he's leaving from the athletic or whether he's gonna go to MMA fighting, you gotta understand it was like at some point somebody asked Rollins about something and uh, like something connected to maximum rock and roll and old punk rock orthodoxy. And he just said, you got to realize, man, I spent 0% of my time thinking about that shit now. You got to know where he, this guy is rep by William Morris. He lives in a mansion, drives a Mercedes Benz. He's not thinking about scrubby guys in newsprint publications that no longer publish. Doesn't give a fuck. To, to uh, derivation of what Tony Montana said, you know, there's only one thing in this world that gives orders his balls. You got those, Frank? My derivation is there's only one thing that gets me to take you seriously as a journalist. That's can you write? Yeah, Anderson Cooper is a journalist. I don't know if Anderson Cooper can write. Journalist. So, um, so Luke and 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 uh, Chael, and for for the record, I did listen to the video. Oh, I listened to I listened to Chael's response, but you realize it's like those creepy couples. You know, you see them where the couples are sitting together, and the guy looks at another girl and goes, "Hey, honey, look at her ass. Isn't it? She's hot, isn't she?" I hate couples like that. I fucking hate them because it's it's like a theater. I'm like thrust into the center of a theater piece that I'm not entirely sure is wholly healthy. And I'm not approved, clearly not approved. But if she really loves him, I can't, I can't believe that she's excited about that. And if she's into sleeping with other women, I can't believe she needs him there. So, you know, Chael and Luke, one guy is a retired fighter and the other guy is uh, an MMA journalist. How many times have they had these fighter awards? And how many times have they had MMA Journalist of the Year? And how many times have I not even been nominated? And how many times has the, the, the mermaid won? What's his name? The Ariel cat. Well, like four in a row, five in a row? Can he write? Oh, you can you, Walter Cronkite, maybe he didn't write. You know, he was a he was a pretty good journalist, and uh, you can't seriously be telling me that, that half these cats. Now, there's some of these guys I like. I like Oka, uh, Oka, Oka, Brett, Brett O. I like him. In other words, I find myself reading him for pleasure sometimes. He writes. Uh, I don't have strong feelings about Kevin Ioli. I have suspicions about Kevin Ioli. I don't recall having re read anything that Luke has written. But like I said, Luke's always been nice to me. 
Um, so for 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 the record, for the record, I'm gonna do something not con especially controversial. I'm sorry, I gotta stretch my leg. My leg is killing me. I, I, I support both their positions, and that's not me being political and mealy mouth. I just think that's the way it's it. That's that's it. Luke should be able to say and do whatever the fuck he wants under the aegis of being an MMA journalist. And, and Chael, the retired fighter, should take issue with it as often as he wants. I call that in the media world, mass media world, good business. All right, this past week, I go to ozzy.com, ozy.com, and type in a uh, uh, Kevin Powell. If you follow me on, on Twitter, I tweeted out last week the article about where Kevin Powell was like, I'll see you again. Like threatened, like he's gonna kick my ass. It's an amusing read. You should read it. I, I think it's called "When Somebody Famous Wants to Kick Your Ass." It's Ozzy.com, Ozzy.com. You get further if you go there and type in Kevin Powell. You, you know why this thing is moving around so much? Because I'm physically uncomfortable and I lost my shoebox that I put the shoe up on. Hold on, I gotta move. So I'm using I'm using this. To balance the, the computer on, <sighs> which means I have to, it's so tiny, I got to put my knees up. You know, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Luke is going to deal with this. <laughs> or either, Joe Hogan either. So, um, so I, you know, so Chael can jaw, Luke can jaw, it's good business, it's what everybody's paid for. I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. In other words, I'm really thinking about other things. Like... How this past weekend was like a flea market, a flea market of useless and, and, and fairly, um, and I don't want to be a nattering nabob of negativity. It, it, you know, I really don't. Um, you know, it's like, oh, Eugene, you're being so negative. There, it was like tapas, you know, little little cool things from Bellator, little cool things from fucking bare knuckle boxing. Little cool things from the UFC, all happening in this kind of pre-Fourth of July uh, uh, rush, uh, longest day of the year shit. And suddenly people have little bits of things to talk about. I only have three cares on the card, on the UFC fight night card. One of those cares was Lineker and uh, Font. That fight was scrapped because of fucking always, John always something Lineker. Love the guy, but clearly he's Abraham Strauss in it, man. Um... And some of these fights, Andrea, Andrea Lee uh, and uh, uh, Montana De La Rosa, I pay attention to. Um, what Eric Spicely opened the night. Uh, um, he had a negative bank account. That shit hurts. Um, uh, who else? Mal Mal uh, Malinagi. Paul Daly. Gegard Musasi, and those are the only fights really that we're going to talk about. And I watched some other Dan Ives, was, I, you know, there's some other good fights on the card, but realistically speaking, it was more like a little tasting, tasting treat. Which one am I going to start with first, Eugene? Well, I wanted to go into something about Hitler, actually, but um, I think I should get to these fights first, and maybe we'll double back on the Hitler thing. So what I said on, on Care Don't Care is that the, the Korean zombie had stumbled. 
he had stumbled a bit and um, caused me to have a crisis in confidence. And that's something else. Crisis in confidence is also something, a new acronym I had because I was surrounded at the restaurant by the past two days. I've seen CICs all over the place. CICs, crisis in confidence? No, couples in crisis. If you go out on Friday and Saturday night, you'll inevitably see like, you know, couples who are like, you know, they're sitting at a table and the woman is like trying to make the best of it. And the dude is like staring at his phone. And then on our left side, this this cat comes in. The woman is dressed a little bit nicer. It's like, I'm going to a nice restaurant. I got a little dressed up. Maybe you could have showed a little effort, Mr. Fucking Hoodie with uh, flip flops. Unless you're fucking Mark Zuckerberg, in which case I'll overlook it in the name of a luxury yacht. Crisis and confidence. Couples in crisis. CICs. Sick them. But uh, he had had a rough go. But you know something, I'm going to say the Korean zombie was kind of in a weird place. He was in kind of an oxbow place, right? And what was special about Oxbow, in the, not so much in the annals of music making, but special about Oxbow and special about most of the music that I, that I really like, it was, made, it was made with the expectation that nobody was going to give a shit whether you made it or not. After we killed off all of our careerist notions from our earlier band, Whipping Boy, which technically, officially, since I sued Sony, still a band. Mark that, still a band, Whipping Boy. Um... But I was like, nobody gives a, like Evander Holyfield once said to me, he said, you know, you could poop in a hole in the ground and nobody cares. I, I like that turn of phrase. And when you realize if there's not an Oxbow record out next week, nobody cares. Or very few people, given that there are 300 million people in America. And it's liberating. I think the Korean zombie was in that place. It's like, what is he, 30 years old? Nobody gives a fuck about him, really. He was headlining a fight. They cared enough of that, that much about him. But he's like, I got nothing to lose, officer. Come on over. Moicano had a, you know, I, I said, is he going to become, I asked John Nash, is he going to become a functional fighter? Because what do you mean a functional fighter? A guy they call up when they're trying to put together a Brazil card and they're like, Hey, don't we know some good Brazilian fighters we could get in here? Put them in the back with the pinball machines. Yeah, get Moicano, get him in here. It's a legitimate loss. No, no fucking, I got nothing to say. I, I, I picked against uh, Korean Zombie. I, I, I picked Lineker. Shouldn't have done it. He didn't fight. He may have won, but we'll never know. Uh, and what was the other fight on the card that I technically gave a shit about? I think I got that one right. Um, let's just look at it. We'll go to play-by-play. Play. My nose has been itching. I, I hate to look up what could the possible associated symptoms with itchy nose. Not itchy like, like allergy itchy, but like itchy here. Uh -huh. like whose nose itches here? It's got to be an ominous thing. that I, I'm, I don't want to get panicked about it, but let's... Let's just move on. Okay, so oh, uh, Bob Arena, Rin Bob Arena, the co-man of Lent, Rin Bob Arena, he lost third round. It was a TKO needs a number. Bob, 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 Arena. I love Bob Arena. He's still one of those guys, as far as I'm concerned, he won through losing, which is what 
you know, we've always had each generation has had some variant of West Sims where they, they lose, but they do so, they do so, so beautifully that you just want to see them do it again, which is very different from some cats who get their asses kicked and you don't really like them and you don't mind seeing them get their asses kicked. And, and there we go. That's the end of, of UFC Five Night. I don't have it. I mean, some of these other fights were my favorite, actually, my favorite. Let me go into this a bit. <laughs> I was talking about telling some guy when I was in Rome, maybe for the first or second time, and a car accident had happened, and we were stuck in terrible traffic, and we're driving, and I was sitting on the side of the van where, like, nobody else could see. We had one of these sprinter vans, but the security ones were sort of windows where you couldn't break in. So I was in the passenger seat because my leg was fucked up, and I could see out, and a scooter and a car had had a wreck. And the guy who was on the scooter had torn off his helmet, was on his knees, had torn his shirt open, and was tearing his hair and looking up at God. And the other guy was doing this, this, this pantomime, like two feet, like in America, these guys would have been hitting each other. No. He was like two or three feet from the other cat doing this other pantomime where he's pulling his hair out as well and punching himself in the eyes. Ah, ah, ah. It was so stereotypically Italian. I know that you think I'm exaggerating, but I 100% am I'm under-exaggerating, if, if, if anything. If anything. These guys were going at it, and it was like this most beautiful street fucking drama. And at the at Holland and, uh, and, and the Chirico, that, uh, that was a boring-ass fight, even though I like how... Uh, Holland has got some sort of uh, what is that cat? Uh, he's got he's an artist on wheels thing. Yeah, a couple of cats who, who are doing that. Venata is one. Uh, uh, now suddenly, who's a, who's a Japanese fighter whose uh, whose name I can't remember? Who the older cat? Um, we used to call him the Gracie Killer. Oh God, my memory is shot. But you know what? Uh, what I'm talking about that guy. So Holland was like that, but threw out his shoulder, um, and so it was a really close fight. But at the end, he was he was <laughs> open hand slaps to Ch- De Chirico's ears, and at the end of the fight, you know, he's like, "Okay, well, good, brother." And De Chirico's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and, and of course, in jujitsu today, I got to make fun of all the Italian guys who were there. Like we got a couple guys in the team. One's from from Milan. The other, he's gone there now, but the other guy is from uh, the Turin, Torino. And I was man, it was just great. And at the and they announced Holland as the winner. And De Chirico. You don't know what the yeah, and Holly was like, man, dude's got a crybaby. It's not, it's just a national character. That's the way it works. You wouldn't want him in there if he wasn't feeling passionately about what was going on. So anyway, um, so that was worthwhile. I mean, the whole card, again, it's like tapas. You go to tapas, you get these little plates with little samples and stuff. People go, Oh, what did you do last night? I go, I had tapas. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. Well, what did you have that was good? I don't know, a plate with little pieces of food in it. I guess that was pretty cool. So uh, we can go straight to Bellator. And technically, I don't really give a fuck about Bellator now. My ass is still hurting as a result of the John Fitch, uh, uh, Rory McDonald thing. Now, listen, I'm not a big John Fitch nut jumper. I think John Fitch, personally, I, I, you know, I mean, I've seen him at AKA. I've never spoken to the man myself. Uh, people have told me about fairly rebarbative elements of his social media presence, but those are political and have nothing to do with me, really. So, um, but he should have won that fight, and he didn't. And I thought that was a mockery of a travesty of a sham. Didn't like it. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the outs with Bellator and only half ass, but I'm a big uh, Musashi uh, fan. And if you told me, I guess it was inevitable. I guess it was inevitable, right? Like he had some of that. He had some, he had a great uh, uh, um, takedown defense, you know, uh, 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 a great a grappling de- de- defend. But he could never. He was never real. Well, he submitted a few guys. So, but what you had to have is you had to have somebody who's going to sedutoize him, and I think that's what happens. Pressure, 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 and pretty soon. You know, as a man in his 30s, you're getting up off the ground like the fourth time in a row. You might be a little winded, and you just can't get anything off because the guy is, you know, you've seen people in street fights. As soon as they get into trouble, they're holding on to you. But dear life, it's a double drowning. And so Musashi got his ass kicked, and, he, and apparently, according to Nash, he's like, he's been very clear about it. He's like, he's a prize fighter. He fights for cash, and he's quickly coming to the end of his his usefulness and his, his his interest in doing what he's doing. He's ready for a new chapter. And I've always dug that about Musasi. It was an honest loss. Fucking, it seemed to me that somebody eventually was going to figure it out, and they did figure it out. And he's like, well, he's got, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't, he, at this point now, he's like, it's my job. I say, and I do it for pay. It's Bob Dylan, Ruben, about her, Ruben Hurricane Carter. But in any case, um, it was sad to see him lose. I picked him, so it was especially sad to see him lose. Does this mean somebody, Jen Nash, does this mean that, uh, or Steph asked me, does this mean that uh, the cat that uh, Lovato is on, on the, I go, you know where Lovato is? He's in Bellator. If you think that means he's going to be in the UFC next year, you're absolutely wrong. So fucking get that shit out of your head. That's what, that's what a win in Bellator is worth. Sorry. You won. What did I win? 50 cent? What do you mean? 50 cents. You mean two two quarters? Two quarters? Two two quarters. Two quarters. <laughs> That's Bellator in a nutshell. You saw the life cycle of Bellator. I'm Bellator. 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 I'm a Bellator. Better than nowhere if this is what you want to do, but not by much. Sorry, I'm, you don't. I can't underestimate. You can't underestimate how upset I am. By do not fucking piss on me and tell me it's rain. Do not do this. Rory McDonald won that fight for what? What is it? He's a big name. We can't have bitches old. We can't just have a. He won the fight, man. Stop fucking around. There's another great Bob Riley line from Stigmata on that same record. You can't fucking with my brain. Fuck with my brain. Do not fuck with my brain. Don't. Paul Daly uh, and uh, Eric Silva. Eric Silva is a casualty. I don't say sukuju is a word that we came from, from the fighter sukuju. Super talented, rushed into the deep waters way too soon, you know, struggled, and the UFC just kind of said, well, I don't think he's really going to make it and just let him drown. But Eric Silva kind of sukajewed himself. He couldn't get – when Mike, when I was coaching my kids and they were fighting and they were small, I go, stay on top of your feet. Go, what do you mean? that? I go, if somebody's bum-rushing you this way, if you're running straight back, your head – there's a line behind you. Your head will hit that line first because your feet 
are over here and you're 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 running back you're running back that way. For those listening on radio, I'm holding my hand at an angle. When I say stay on top of your feet, I say keep your feet with the rest of your body. And you can do that more easily by somebody's bull rushing, you step to the side, but you stay on top of your feet. It was good advice. Helped them out with their state champion wrestlers, all my daughters. Against dudes as well. No, it should, it should be noted. So, so uh, um, Eric Silva couldn't stay on top of his feet. His head just had him other places. It was everywhere. I don't know whether the guy was talented or not. And I don't know the circumstance of his name to fame, but it was like where Peggy Lee gets married, the Francis Ford Coppola with, with uh, Nick Cage before he was kind of creepy. He was like, uh, yeah, I got the hair. I got the teeth. Feed me. Charge me. Make her love me. Sure, Eric Silva was like, I got the hair. I got the face. Why can't they see that? But you know, this is a uh, uh, this is a uh, <laughs> this is a, this is a harrowing where the wheat and the chafe are left off in different places. So yeah, he got beat by Paul Daly. What does that mean for Paul Daly? It means he's in Bellator. What did I win? Fifty cents. Fifty cents. Fifty cents. 50 cents! That's Bellator. Uh, now, uh, I'm sorry. It's not what am I going to say. Come on. What do you What do you want me to say? Want me to, I like Scott Coker. He's been nice to me. I was Rich Chew. All those guys have been nice to me. But that was some straight-up bullshit, and I can't. It's unforgivable. To what end? Key Bono. Who benefited from that? I'm not saying I want to see John Fish fight in Madison Square Garden. You talk to him like you talk to that cat from North Carolina who fought Brian Schwartz, and you fucking tell him, I need this guy, and you let him work out how to make it happen. But you don't let the judges put the fix, and that's stunk because it, it, it speaks to organizational rot. I can't trust you. I cannot trust you. But now let's go to... Uh, <laughs> Artem Lobov, and some people are like, ah, you did, ah. Well, you don't understand. What I said was, if Malnagi can't can't outbox a non-boxer, he should run out in the street in front of the first truck he finds and throw himself under its fucking wheels because certainly what he got paid for this was not enough to fucking justify the months-long, you know, uh, uh, fucking mummery of him spitting on the guy and this and that. And, and at a certain point, much like, here we go. You see how, what the, this is what we call a callback, right? Where to the Todd and Kevin story. Yes, I am pleased with myself. I would pat myself on the back, but I'm so fucking sore that I cannot do it. The JJB is also gonna run after this unless YouTube screws that up somehow. But, you know, for the first couple of rounds, you know, Lobov was like, man, I'll this boxing thing. But then he realized, well, there's boxing and there's fighting. And I guess this is bare knuckle fighting, not bare knuckle boxing. So fuck it. If you've ever seen a, a real street fighter get busy, it's a thing of beauty to behold. Because you can see 
that they're really thinking about the world, the street, in a way that was much different than I would have thought about. Now, I've gotten into street fights, but my street fighting technique, I'm pretty much focused on as soon as I can, getting the guy on the ground and stomping him to bits. That's been my traditional fucking tactic. So whether I'm foot sweeping the guy or I'm fucking doing a flying mare to get him down or doing a bulldog choke or twisting or punch him to the ground, my objective is to get him closer to where my feet can do the most good. I'm not saying that that was what I would do if I got into a fight five minutes from now. I'm just like an actuarial table. I'm looking back at what I've done, and I can tell you that's, that, that's what I've done. Very different from somebody like Harley Flanagan, who I've seen street fight. And his universe is so he's going into garbage cans, grabbing bottles. He's got, a, he's got a, a, a necklace with a little demon head on it. He's got maximum utilization of available resources, garbage can tops, fences, hubcap, whatever, whatever. You know, I saw a guy get into a street fight once and uh, was getting his ass kicked, and all he had was a beer cap. Know what I'm talking about? A beer cap. Like if you not uh, like you get a bottle of Heineken and you flip that thing off, and that guy held that thing in his thumb and between his thumb and his forefinger, and he just started scratching the fuck out of the other guy's eye. I've seen transvestites fuck it up down off of Union Square, like right around the corner from Variety Photo Place on the Lower East Side, like 12th and 2nd. Those fucking shoes, platform shoes in the 70s, platform shoes came off. I, I never thought of that. Not like I wasn't a smart kid. I also wasn't, I was wearing platform shoes, but I wasn't wearing stilettos. Guy named Spacely. There was somebody wrote about because I put out. He's like, I fucking faggot. <laughs> These are men dressed as women. Men dressed as women. Took one of those fucking stilettos off, put Spacely's eye right the fuck out in Thompson, Thompson Square Park. So by the later rounds, Loboff had figured, fuck, I'm gonna fuck him up. I'm gonna, this is a fight, not a boxing match. And you could see just the weight of it all. And the, you know, the, the, the Malinagi. Where's the road turn, Mr. Malinagi? At this point in time, could you be very specific about where the road turns? Because I'm not entirely sure I know for you after months and months of going to challenge McNuggets. You realize that, that that's a dumpster fire. Moreover, it's a dumpster fire that you don't have the right ticket to get into. You're done. I hope you made enough from this. To, to to be able to, what happens to you now? Will you end up like Joe Lewis holding towels in a men's room? For, I don't think they let that happen anymore. I mean, they, in other words, I don't think they're going to let you have a job in a nice hotel handing out towels in the bathroom or any place else. Somebody said, is this the most embarrassing? I said, look, embarrassment is free-floating. Is it embarrassing to blow your load too soon when you're having sex? Well, it's human. What's embarrassing is you saying afterward, this has never happened to me before. Not even if it never happened to you before, it happened to you then. So saying that is pathetic because it doesn't undo what's been done. You want to say something useful about blowing your load too soon, 
say excuse me and get your fucking mouth working yes i'm talking about conolingus the sex with eugene Thomas. i guess it's it's up now i'm going to tweet it out as soon as i finish with this show malinagi i mean we can't even say that malinagi we can't even say that you know that there's uh we can't say anything there's actually nothing to say the sad part is everybody's like ah malinagi ah where you buy your fucking bum go back to brooklyn you fucking piece of shit ah okay look that's not the sad story. The sad story is, what does Loboff do now? Where does the road turn for Loboff? I don't know. It's Toppist. This entire weekend was Toppist. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. For what? You know what happens with Toppist? An hour after you've eaten Toppist, you're hungry again. And they got this UFC coming up in Minneapolis with who is it? Yeah, the only fight I care about in true boxing style is the main card fight. Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos still lost with Town Ice. Yes, he is, sir. I already made my pick. I picked Francis. I just don't know if I could trust Junior Dos Santos enough. And, and Francis Ngannou put it well. He goes, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Is he? Really? I don't, how, how would I know this? Have you ever seen him do anything jujitsu-esque? Jujitsu-like, jujitsu-inian. Have you ever seen any of that? Good point. Is he going to take me down? You're a big man. So we're really having a boxing match. I mean, Nganu has done badly when he fights people he's afraid of. I don't see him being afraid of, I think he's done the math on this one. I don't think he's afraid of Junior Dos Santos. And I think Junior Dos Santos is just trying not to lose. Now he could get, he could be wrestle mugged against the cage. Maybe he gets up and maybe he gets a, gets a, a, ch- a guillotine choke on the guy that Ngano can't get out of. That's a possibility. I don't really consider guillotine chokes at this point part of jujitsu, but that's a possibility could happen. More importantly, this fight on the John Nash significance scale, uh, JNSS, uh, is not It's not very high. But it serves as a conduit, as a segue to me to talk about something I've been thinking about that I want you all to think about. And it's come to me in the same way that visions in the past have come to me. I'm no Joan of Arc. Jean d'Arc. Is not, that's not who I am. However... I've been having these visions in, 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 a, in my hypnagogic state, not once, not twice, but at least three times. And in these visions, I've seen Johnny Boney Joni lying on, laying on the canvas, staring at the, uh, he's not staring at anything, his eyes are closed. Now, like we said before, him losing is an eventuality. There's a way that he should fight Santos, but I don't have any personal guarantee that he's going to fight Santos that way. And yes, we've all had that talk that I shared here from one of my spies about him only taking fights that he knows he can win. 
what what I think the most significant factor about Johnny Bonajoni is is his actual fight intelligence. The fight he fought against Anthony Smith was a smart fucking fight. The holes in Santos' game are really readily apparent to me. SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. As far as I'm concerned, he prevent he presents one threat. Knockout power, which Johnny Bonajoni doesn't have. I don't recall Johnny Bonajoni knocking anybody out. With an 85-inch reach, maybe you can keep. But you watch, he does a Vitor Belfort, Santos. He comes in and he runs at you straight on. And if you don't think Johnny Bonajoni has seen that, you're wrong. Change levels, grab a leg. Once you get him off the ground, can he get up again? I'm sure he's practicing that. Uh, I'm going to go back to the words of Chell on this one. It was like being in there with a bear. It doesn't change the nature of the visions I've seen. I've had. Also, I got to tell you right now, I'm sitting in a room that's probably 103 degrees. So I open the jacket, I'm dying. I can't open the window because I've got no screen on the window. So if I open the window, all of a sudden I have 10,000 insects in here because of the light. So I'm fading fast, which is good because the show is almost over. End notes right now. As soon as I get off this show, I'm going to go to Ozzy.com. Well, I can check right now to see if the sex comes up, and I'm going to tweet it out. Some of you have been very forthcoming with your questions. They don't have to be your questions even. They could be questions, I got a friend, you know, they don't have to be. But yeah, every week there's got to be three, and I don't fake them. So sometimes I'll go to different groups, you know, music groups for people, MMA group. Uh, let's see, let's see, is it up? Uh, no, not yet. Do I see it? Nah, hold on. And then we'll do end notes. Um, oh, I think I'm dying. Well, of course I am dying, but yeah, it's the acid reflux thing. I should sit up straight. Okay. No, it's not up. All right, so uh, tell with it. Uh, you know, they they yanked it. Oh, boy. Ooh, I don't know what I wrote about this week. I never remember. I never really remember. Well, anyway, sign, go to at Eugene S. Robinson. Sign up, and whenever they put it out, they put it out Tuesday or whatever, then I'll tweet it out. You'll get it. Or Mr. – I don't put – I don't tweet – I don't – you can't really tweet things out on Instagram. It's image based, so Mr. Sleep Three on Instagram. But if you don't have any photos posted on your site or you're restricted, I gotta see into your world before I let you see into my world. If you follow me on Facebook, there's a guy Adam Smyer who wrote a great book. Great book, you should buy it. Called Knucklehead. It turns out we went to high school. He wrote about the first time he met me, and I, I put it out there. I re I resent it. I didn't. I don't think I retweeted it. But I sent it, I posted it on my Facebook page because I thought it was pretty interesting. And he's talking about, because of course, for me, I'm just me. So I'm not, I'm on the other side of it. Because he says, when I first locked eyes with Eugene, he goes, it's never happened before or since. He goes, it was like staring into the void, into the abyss. But instead of there being the void, instead of staring into, you know, nothingness, it was everythingness. We could be friends. Or we could fight to the death. And all of that was in the look. 
Uh, and so uh, uh, Adam Smyers, Knucklehead, great book. Turns out we were in high school together, same time, didn't know each other, same music into. He was a big fan of the magazine. I was editor-in-chief, didn't know. Facebook brought us together. And I'm like, I'm watching him put up high school pictures. I was like, I've been in that room. The fuck? What high school did you go to? Stives it. And also, if you go to the Oxbow video for a cold and well-lit place, he's the guy who plays a thin black dude. Weird, meandering crossroads. The point is, boy, Eugene, the point, the point is, um, follow me at Eugene S. Robinson. When the article is ready, I'll tweet it out. The, uh, the Kevin Powell thing is, I'll see if I can figure out how to, how to tweet out his uh, Adam Smyer, S-M-Y-E-R, by his book, Knucklehead, if I can tweet out his thing. Uh, Patreon.com, we have one more week to go. Um, those of you who've been chipping it, and like I said, those of you who've been chipping in the dollar, five dollars, do not feel bad about that. I completely defend your right to do it. And if I had 10 people like you to quote uh, 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 Colonel Kurtz and Apocalypse Now, our problems here would soon be over. And I, I need to, Kelly, Kelly Cosman, I owe you a t small t shirt and an audio book. I haven't forgotten about you. Sorry, I just haven't gotten to it. And then there's one other cat who said, hey, Eugene, where's my fucking record? And apparently, these are my little scribbly notes. Apparently, I owe you a record. I'll get those out this week. And then a third guy who ordered, who wants to order some stuff, I haven't looked for the Philip Petit shit. I'll look, and I'll send you that stuff this week, too. Promises, promises. Facebook.com slash The Stomper. Facebook.com slash Oxbow. At Eugene S. Robinson. For Twitter, Mr. Sleep 3, the number 3. For Instagram, you got many ways to retweet this fucking show out. General MMA journalists might not approve, but you know the good stuff if you're minute this far to be hearing the sound of my voice. Uh, uh, we have UFC Minneapolis coming up with only one or two fights in the card. We just did care, don't care. Uh, Steph is now running it Monday, late Monday afternoon, Monday night, so you can hear about the cares I picked, but I think I only had one or two on the entire card. Which means not ass in front of their seat at the or at the phone at the the wine bar. It means that you know that I'll watch the main two at, at my leisure. Uh, but that you know, but I, I I in literary terms called foreshadowing. I start talking about the July sixth Johnny Boney Joni fight. Something to pay attention to. That's going to be a big one. And I'm hoping uh, that the, uh, uh, the YouTube is ironed out the problem. Anyway, the show is done. I'm seven minutes over. Thanks for listening. I'm the host, Eugene S. Robinson. I'm dying in the sweat box. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Look what you made me do! <laughs>